Greetings from Cyberdelic Space. This is Lorenzo, and I'm your host here in the Psychedelic Salon. Today I'm, uh, I'm going to play a recording that I made last week during our live Monday Night Salon. And our guests were Levi Barker and Gary West, who called in from the Iboga Wellness Center in Costa Rica. Now, Levi Barker is a trained Iboga provider in the Masoka Buiti tradition and was trained to uh, serve the medicine by a 10th generation Buiti shaman. While the Iboga Wellness Center was founded by Gary West, and it is the longest-running shamanic Iboga retreat center in the Western Hemisphere. One of the topics that we discussed concerned the different ways in which the plant Iboga is used in spiritual healing when compared with ways in which Ibogaine, which is one of 11 active alkaloids in Iboga, ways in which it is used to heal opioid and other addictions. Now, while you most likely knew this already, uh, well, for me, this was the first time that I clearly understood the difference between the uses of the iboga plant itself and ibogaine. But rather than have me tell you some more about our conversation, why don't I just begin playing it? Tonight, we, we uh, as, as everybody knows, we've got uh, Gary Cook and Levi Barker here with us, and uh, they are, are uh, here coming to us from the... Ibogaine well, uh, Iboga well, Wellness Center in Costa Rica. And uh, I, I'll tell you the truth, I know not too much about the Wellness Center other than what I've been able to read on the, on the web. And so uh, I, I was going to start out with uh, maybe uh, Levi and Gary uh, telling us a little bit about how they, they came to be living in Costa Rica at uh, Iboga Wellness Center. And, and I, I don't mean to, you know, what I want you guys to know is I try to keep it kind of lighthearted here, too. We, we talk about kind of heavy topics, but uh, I'm always kind of lighthearted. And so this is this is in the form of joke. I don't mean to insult you, but I, I noticed from the two of you don't look like either of you were born in Gabon. And uh, <laughs> the, the, no. reason, the reason I, I mentioned that is I've been getting a, a lot of people, we've been getting a lot of flack from women lately that... There are uh, everybody uh, speaking are old white men, and so actually I decided to retire. I'm not going to go to festivals or conferences anymore. But I'm wondering, uh, how are you all? Re- before we get into how you got there, how are you all uh, received by the uh, Buiti people in Gabon as far as uh, the work that you're doing? Go ahead, Levi. You want to go ahead, Gary? No, go, Levi. Okay. No, there. Uh, yeah accepted very very well you know and in the tradition in the Buidi tradition at least are part of it which is called Masoko Buidi um you know they really we really look at everybody just as brothers and sisters and uh no separation on your skin color um the only requirement is you know you're coming for the love of Iboga and to um use it as a tool to improve your life so no they're you, whenever we go to Gabon, we can hardly even lift a finger. Um, they they really value us as guests and just appreciate us coming and think it's really cool that we're there and we want to do the same thing that they do. And um, so, yeah, no, um, yeah, we love them and they love us. That's that's really wonderful to hear and and uh, gladdens my heart actually. In fact. Uh, you know that that reading a little bit of uh, very brief uh, bios that you have on your website, uh, it seems like the both of you kind of come from the same uh, backgrounds that we all are coming from. We're all seeking something, and and uh, some of us have had difficult uh, lives up till now and off and on. And it sounds like that kind of what happened to the two of you. So. Uh, why don't you kind of take turns in telling us how, how you got down to uh, Costa Rica doing the work that you're doing? Well, okay. yeah, Gary, yeah. Gary started it all. So yeah, you go for it, Gary. Go ahead, Gary. Yeah, um, well, uh, for a number of years I've been interested in, in spirituality and, and who I am, why I'm here, things like that. And uh, I was interested in shamanism as well. and um, Started experimenting with ayahuasca and, and San Pedro. Uh, now, how, how long ago was this, Gary? 
Uh, it's about 10 years ago. Okay. Okay. And, and uh, you, I assume you were living in the United States then? Yes. Yep, okay. In Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, I have two sons, um, wonderful men. Uh, but my older, older son kind of uh, in his late teens took a, a dark path and ended up an opiate addict. Um, so about 15 years into it, he came to my wife and I explaining um, just how worried he was and you know, that he was not doing well and didn't know what to do. So uh, because of my background in shamanism and you know, wanting to see healing occur both physically and spiritually, you know, we chose to come here to Costa Rica to a place called Iboga House. Now, now this is before you had, had even tried Iboga yourself? That's correct, yes. Okay. Not, but you had used ayahuasca? Yes, I had used ayahuasca like five times and San Pedro okay. three times. Um, so, you know, I came with my son to support him through the process, but I also came for myself. You know, I'm a seeker as well and uh, never really could get it satisfied that seeking uh, within me until I found a boga. And then uh, all the all my answers came, and it was really quite remarkable to have that happen for me, and also to watch my son transform in like a week from a serious. Oh, really? that, that rapidly? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this is yeah. like after fifteen years of an addiction. Yes, it is. Wow. Yeah. Right. But we think you know the the magic ingredient is actually the will. You know, how much do you want it? You know, and if you put that together with a boga, and you've got success, basically. You know, but it won't go against the, uh, someone's will. You know, if you don't want it, it's not going to do anything. You know, Gary, I'm really, really pleased that you brought that out because I've I've had some experiences myself with with uh, various people that uh, I was close to that I really wanted to help, but they were not ready and at least not ready to listen to anything I had to say. And, and so I, I, I understand what you're saying that uh, while this can uh, be a, a, a pathway or a doorway to uh, better yeah. mental health, uh, uh, you've got to ask for it first. Correct. Correct. And, you know, ask for it and, and sincerely, sincerely want to change, you know, right. sincerely, you know, listen to what the medicine has to show you about how you can change, but then acting on it. You know? well, well, tell us a little bit about this. The, your first time down there with your son, uh, what, what took place? How did it, how long were you there? And what, what, uh, how many ceremonies, if any, did you have, right. et cetera? Okay. Um, we were there for 11 days. Uh, so immediately when my son arrived, like he, he had taken his last uh, dope, uh, like about, as we got on the plane in uh, Atlanta, come down to Costa Rica. And so by the time we got there, he was starting to go into withdrawal. And uh, so my teacher, Magenda, who was the shaman working there, you know, immediately gave him some aboga. And it, it took about five days of constantly feeding him aboga to get him through it. And then another couple of days, just kind of wind down and integrate a little bit. But um, yeah, and, you know, it was, just so impressed, uh, my teacher. He he stayed up with my son for five nights in a row. You know? and, and so your your son actually consumed iboga for five days in a row. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, because yeah, you know what I've seen with working with opiate addiction and things is that um, it's almost like an acid and base reaction. You know, they both have potential, but you mix them together and they neutralize each other. So what we see with iboga is uh, someone comes in with a uh, opiates in their system, the aboga will start to work on that and it'll, you know, uh, dissolve some of that from inside. And we give them some more aboga, dissolves more, dissolves more, and then eventually the withdrawals are gone and the physical aspect of the healing is, is pretty much complete. How, how did you find this shaman in the first place? Uh, online. Um, just searching around and uh, looking for all of our options. You know, we, we were first looking at Ibogaine places, uh, but uh, that didn't appeal to me because I didn't see the spiritual healing part. 
Yeah, and this would be a, a good good place to uh, explain the difference between uh, iboga and ibogaine treatments. Um, yeah, well, uh, you know, iboga is a, a plant that naturally grows over in the countries of Gabon, Cameroon, the Congo, and uh, now you know, it grows there. And the people the people there have been you know working with it for a long time. And they discovered, you know, the wonderful properties of it and uh, really created a whole culture around it um, that um, you know, they're more recently willing to share that with outsiders. Now, is it is it mainly the Buiti tribe in Gabon or, or do other people in Gabon participate with iboga ceremonies? Yeah, it's probably not under, or probably best understood not to think of it so much as a tribe, uh-huh. but in a to life you know to to myself i've been over there and, and met a lot of um Buiti, and it it basically means someone that's willing to use a boga to find answers to study life um and so, so it's, it's not like a a as an individual tribe or community in no. the moon is mm-hmm. uh, spread diverse throughout the country yes and there, and there's various sects and People um, do their ceremonies a little bit different, whatever. But, uh, you know, the group that we're with are called the Masoko Witi and are primarily focused on healing. Mm-hmm. Now, now, do they, when, when you say they focus on healing, what, uh, in, in their society, are they, uh, you know, victims of stress and, and some of the mm-hmm. same things that we have here in, in North America or... Or do they have different kinds of, uh, say, mental anguish that they go through? Um, I didn't didn't see a lot of stress when I was there. I've, I've been over there three times, uh, and uh, people are pretty pretty relaxed and get along so, well. I guess my my question is uh, the healing that they were doing. What what type of healing? What what uh, reasons for the healing were they were they uh, using iboga? Um. Uh, from what I understand, um, you know, a, a lot of physical healing, ah. emotional healing, spiritual healing, ancestral healing. So, so really very similar to uh, the work that uh, Iowa's Caros do in South America. Yeah, I, I think so. Ah, I think so. Um, and, and and now now the the center uh, where you are now is that the place that you and your son went? Uh, no. Oh, okay. So we went there a little over seven years ago, and uh, we both were just blown away by the whole experience and decided to train to become providers. And we both studied with the shaman there, and uh, it was in the uh, beginning of 2014 that I started a Boga Wellness Center. Ah, okay. Now, uh, it, is your son still involved with you? Well, um, not as much as I'd like. Uh you know, he's been six years clean off heroin now, and, you know, it's... That's, that's really the main question I wanted to ask. Okay, yeah, no, he, he won't go near it. Um, and I don't, I'm not worried that he ever would. Um, he about, well, well actually, when, while he was still an, an addict, he got uh, bit by a tick and got Lyme disease. Mm. And it didn't show up in his life until three or four years later. Wow. So he like, uh, you know, he got clean off heroin. He trained to be a provider. He was like really had a daughter and just life couldn't have been better for him. And then the Lyme disease hit him and it just hit him hard. And it was crushing to watch, but he's, he's coming around. Yeah, that's, that's a real, real hard thing to uh, deal with. I've, I've had several relatives involved in it, too. So, Well, listen, yeah. hey, Levi, we haven't had a chance to hear from you, and you're the one that uh, kicked this whole thing off. So do uh, uh, you want to step in here now a little bit? Sure. Go ahead. Sure. Oh, with, um, yeah, how, okay, yeah, where, where I got into Iboga. So, like, so many people... Um, you know, I was also one to find Iboga from, from opiates. So it's been close to 11 years ago now that I was, um, you know, some points in my life I was okay and managing other times I was at absolute rock bottom 
and just using any opiates I could get and, you know, tried the methadone maintenance, suboxone, tried it all. And uh, at one point I asked a friend who's really in the plant medicine and really lo- knows a lot, uh, probably the, the person that I know that knows the most about plants. I asked him if there was anything that would help from it for, for opiate. And um, he said, yeah, iboga. And I remember the first time I heard that word that uh, I was like, wow, that sounds, sounds very serious. And I knew, knew there was something there. And so he actually said, and I have some and I'll send it to you. And so he did. Um, I was living in Nicaragua at the time. And, um, and so I had just, or not just, I was in the first year of my relationship with my, my now wife, who's Costa Rican and Nicaraguan. And uh, at the time, the Spanish wasn't so good. I used to carry around a little handheld translator down there. And so I explained a bit of what was going on. So she could, she got, she got a okay idea, but still wasn't quite sure. You just don't see um, opiate problems much in Latin America, maybe, maybe in the, you know, uh, Mexico or Colombia, there's some of that in the cities, but in, 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 at least in Central America, there, you just don't see problems with opiates. And, uh, so let her know that, you know, I would be going through this experience. It'll probably take a couple nights and, um, you know, I may need help to the bathroom. And so, you know, looking back, I was, I was pretty, pretty brave, but I was at the point where I was willing to, to do whatever it, whatever it took to, um, you know, stop abusing myself. And so, um, I asked my friend, so what, what do I do? And he, and he had sent me quite a bit of iboga. He said, just down it and then lay down and try not to move your head. So that was my, my only instructions. <laughs> and so, uh, and I, you didn't, I did you didn't that. Know how much you had? Um, no, I do. I, yeah, I did. I did. I did. I can say I didn't make my way, my, my, the whole way through it. That's for sure. There was plenty left over. <laughs> and, um, any, anyway, so I, you know, I, I did that and it took, it was a pretty grueling three nights. Like Gary was saying, you know, his son went about five nights without sleeping. I went three nights and that's pretty typical for people with, uh, you know, withdrawing like that. And I, it, it worked. It got me physically clean where I felt good afterwards and was, um, you know, didn't feel the, um, the need to go back. But at the same time, um, you know, us opiate addicts, you know, we really mask a lot of our emotions. So all of a sudden I'm having these emotions that, you know, I was running from for, for all those years. And so that's, you know, got past the big wall that the work really started there. And, um, about a year and a half later, that same friend went to, to the spot called the Boga house where Gary was talking about where we met our teacher. He went there and, um, and, uh, I, they were, Mogenda, our teacher was just serving uh, root bark at the time. And my, my friend, who's also a chemist said, Hey, you know, it would be good for, for some of these people, especially people that are withdrawing to make a total alkylate extract just using vinegar. And so Mogenda was into the idea and I was living in Nicaragua. So my friend went back down to show him how to do it and invited me down just to help out. So I was there, you know, grinding, uh, grinding herbs all, all day and um, stirring stuff and just uh, helping them out. And so I got to know our teacher and then started coming down to, um, to do some ceremonies with him. And I got through a few of those and I was doing uh, internet marketing at the time. So I started doing some marketing for the site. He was just getting rolling. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, real big for him yet. And um and so, you know, in about a year after that, after getting a bit of marketing, it, it's, he cert- the, the spot certainly did get popular. And I heard about him training some different people. And when I heard that, I had known from the first time I had had the medicine that, uh, like Gary was saying, it was just so magical that I, that I wanted to work with it. And so when I heard about the training, I asked him, and surprisingly at the time where I was in my life, he said yes. And so I... Uh, went uh and trained with him over several years um you know for three weeks at a time um here or there i was still running a business so i wasn't all the way in 
And um, then about four years ago, um, I had known for all these last 10 and a half years or so that I wanted to work with the medicine, um, but it just wasn't right or ready. And about four years ago, I got a very clear call where my whole life started shifting in that direction without uh, me even uh, consciously happening. I was just getting pushed in that direction. And so I had known Gary. We had become friends from from uh, from the Iboga House, and uh, got in touch with him. And uh, you know, he was he was just getting getting uh, the wellness center was just starting to uh, do well, and they needed some extra help. And I was fortunate enough to get in at the right time and start uh, doing more ceremonies with them. And uh, and you know, that's when Gary's sons, Jeff, was there, and. Uh, yeah, just uh, beautiful, beautiful work, and uh, has been the best decision I've ever made in my life, and, uh, and really and helping. You, you eventually, you eventually did go to Gabon to train too. Is that right? Yeah, definitely, definitely went to to Gabon a couple of times now, um, and um, yeah, it was really cool to see our our teacher in action. You know, the system that we use was developed by him, which works really well for for Westerners, and it's a it's a melding of you know the the Bwiti tradition and and some shamanic aspects of that, but then also um, you know helping people get through the Western problems that we that we have to deal with. Like you were mentioning, you know, we're just more stressed, more anxiety, um, probably a lot harder on ourselves, and so um, he developed that that system and. Uh, and yep, definitely. You know, when you go over there, them I and you're, you know, training or or a provider at the time, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. And he's he's showing you a lot of really valuable stuff. You, you know, uh, uh, Levi, and you may don't want to answer this, but the reason I'm asking is a, a good, significant portion of our our listeners here in the salon are under 35, but there are some uh, old guys like myself and. Uh, one of the questions uh, I have, because I know how it could happen to me, but how how difficult or how easy is it to slip into an opioid addiction? How does how does that take place? You know, if, if some of the the uh, parents and grandparents listening right now, uh, what what do they need to be aware of? That why how or why someone would start slipping into a serious addiction? Yeah. Oh man. It it's yeah it's so rampant these days and I kind of caught it right when you know the first wave of all these uh, opiate addictions came up and like so many people I had broke my wrist snowboarding and I had to have a did a surgery on it and got prescribed Lortab and you know started taking that and started enjoying the feeling to where I was you know physically good with my wrist but still wanted to have that feeling and so yeah really. The, the prescriptions are, are, are a big culprit in, in a lot of it. Not, no, hardly anybody I know would go straight to heroin. So many people come through the prescription drugs and, you know, then they, they can't get them or, you know, uh, their doctor cuts them off. And, uh, that's when you turn to, you know, the street opiates. And, um, I, I, I would imagine, you know, a very large portion of, of people start that way. So, you know, uh, if somebody's having a major surgery where they're like really, really in pain, which, which I was, you know, maybe you use them for, you know, two, three, four days. Um, you know, but then I would really watch, um, any, any further use of, of the painkillers. And then just, you know, once you're through that point, I would dump them out and, um, and yeah, get, get them, get them out of the, get them out of the house. That's for sure. It's, but what happens is people, you know, going through something physical where they they need that and it gives them relief but then they also start noticing like you know the emotions from the surgery are dulled down you know um you know maybe you're not being as uh maybe you're you're not as stressed as you thought you would be because you're out of work and out of commission and people start um realizing that there's a an escape there and so um you know it, it doesn't take long to to learn to to use that as a mask for other things going on in, in your life. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely something to be really, really careful for. 
You know, I, I can see how that would have could have easily happened to me because I, I'm one of those people who, you know, if I'm taking something and I say it makes me feel good, I want to keep doing it. But, you know, over the years, I've, I've learned to uh, temper myself uh, somewhat. But, you know, back when uh, in the 60s, when I was in the Navy, I, I ruptured my appendix ruptured and, and it was quite painful. And they, uh, the surgery was long and they didn't even stitch me up. You know, there's a lot of complications. Wow. But uh, I never got any pain medicine other than what came through an IV drip. They never gave me any uh, pills or anything. And two days after I got out of the hospital, they put me on a plane and, and flew me to Vietnam to catch my ship. So <laughs> I didn't have the luxury of getting addicted to something. But I, I'll tell you what, I know enough about myself that if, if I had been given uh, opioids, which they weren't really given back then, I can see how easily I could get uh, sucked into something like that. You know, it's it's not the it's it's not uh, just addictive personalities. Those things are very you know seductive. And I've been fortunate in that I never liked opium. You know, I've I've smoked opium and and various forms of it and all. Never tried heroin, but uh, the opioids never attracted me like uh, psychedelics do. So I was fortunate in that regard. But that said. I can see also how it'd be really easy for somebody like me to uh, slip into that uh, habit. Yep, yep. And one thing for for the listeners to to understand is, you know, iboga or ibogaine really, you know, got its name off of being the only thing in the world that can help people get through opiate withdrawal, you know, in a in a painless fashion or not painless, but you know, it really does cut out at least ninety ninety five percent of what somebody's going through, but this medicine is really for, for anything we're struggling with in life or the direction we're looking for. Like currently at Iboga Wellness, we, we're just not set up for it. And um, especially with the synthetic opiates, we don't actually treat people going through a detox anymore. What we do recommend is them going to an Ibogaine clinic and then coming to CS. So, you know, everybody that we get currently is, is, clean from drugs. So we certainly get some people that have, you know, two weeks, a month clean, but most people are really coming, um, you know, for depression and anxiety, PTSD, you know, past abuse of some sort. Uh, a lot of like, a lot of people that are just really hard on themselves and, and can't break that cycle. People looking for their next direction in life. So this medicine is really for, for everybody. You know, if, if, if you're feeling stuck and looking for some directions, you know, and what we tell people is those, those answers are already inside of us. You know, they're there, but through different experiences, you know, we start creating this filter on top of connecting with ourselves. And, um, you know, the medicine is able to break through that and just really connect yourself with yourself again and, and bring to light, like, you know, how life is going for, for oneself. And so, yeah, it's really, it really is for everybody. You know, this this would be a good point to once more uh, explain the difference between uh, Iboga and Ibogaine, because like many, many people until recently, the last year or so, and learning more about uh, the two substances, I, I confuse the two and I use the, the term wrong. Uh, and you're talking about Ibogaine uh, clinics to help people get off a particularly heroin addiction. And I, I know several people who have successfully done that with Ibogaine. But you are an Iboga center, which is more, uh, to me, seems spiritual and psych psychological. Uh, do you want to distinguish between the two a little bit more? Sure, sure. So I can definitely understand why the Ibogaine clinics use Ibogaine. Um, you know, it's, a, a, and, and from, explain what uh, Ibogaine, the difference between Iboga and Ibogaine. Yes. Yeah, so, so, um, Iboga, I think has 13 alkaloids and Ibogaine being one of them. And so, you know, I think a French, uh, pharmacologist, uh, was able to extract it, you know, in the early 1900s or late 1800s and, uh, didn't get much attention until Howard Lotsoff. And so, with the ibogaine, um, it works really, really well for for opiate detox and and, and even other drug detoxes. Um, but it is just the one the one alkaloid. I think it moves through um, an addict's system easier um, physically, um, whereas with iboga, I feel you get a deeper deeper physical cleanse with with the other alkaloids doing their work. 
And I will say, so I'm, uh, I've never had ibogaine. Um, so I, I, you know, speaking on, on what I feel and what I, what I do know about ibogaine and with ibogaine, they can, they can get a lot more exact on the dosing that they're giving a person. So at ibogaine clinic, you know, you'll, people will be dosed based on their so many milligrams of ibogaine per kilogram of body weight. And, uh, so here we know that everybody has a different tolerance to the medicine. So everybody gets a bit different, uh, dose depending on how they're reacting to the medicine and uh, we can connect with them and see where they're at after a certain amount of time. So, um, and the thing is the iboga is a plant. And so in, in our tradition or many traditions, we know that, that plants, they have a spirit to them and they have um, codes inside of them, codes to nature. And, and um, you know, obviously nature has a really high intelligence that we so high that we can't explain everything. And so, um, with the full time of Iboga, I feel like you're accessing that on a deeper level. And, um, and then one with the, with the tradition, um, you know, the, the Iboga is the medicine of the bleeding. And that's, you know, besides my first time doing a detox, that's really all I've ever known, um, about this medicine. So really the Iboga and the bleeding for me really go hand in hand. And I can't really see them being separated. Um, now that's not to say that, you know, a person can get everything they need for, from, from Ibogaine. I'm, I'm sure they could. It's just a different path to get there. And, uh, well, well, you know, that, that, uh, of course, I'm, I'm a big uh, believer in uh, the complete plant for medicine. And I think that, that just even on a, a purely scientific basis, the synergy of those 11 alkaloids, uh, there's certainly got to be some, uh, effects that the synergistic effects that they have as well. So I'm, I'm a, a real believer in the full plant, although I, I do uh, uh, appreciate the fact that uh, I've, I've known a number of people who have uh, you know, had a serious heroin addiction that have been, been uh, essentially, uh, I don't know if you want to say cured, but they haven't used heroin in a decade. You know? So, uh, yeah. you know, I, I can see the, the uh, benefit of it more than just say pure THC taking out of cannabis because uh, I think the synergistic effect of the cannabis plant, not to mention the spirit <laughs> of the of the cannabis plant, uh, has as a, a great deal of benefit. But uh, this is really fascinating to uh, see that here is is a medicine that's being uh, used in two different ways, uh, healing two different really kind of aspects, and and uh, it's one of the first times I've seen where the pharmaceutical end, you know, the extraction of a, a single alkaloid. Uh, has really been as beneficial as this has. Absolutely. And that's a great analogy with the cannabis and, and THC as well. So uh, do do any of our uh, other uh, fellow gatherers here, there's a, a few dozen of us here, would you, anybody want to raise your hand and join in? Uh, Lorenzo, based on just something that you just said, um, what, what, what are your thoughts on LSD? Because that's just an isolated molecule. Do you feel that there's a spirit in there? I think uh, you've used LSD a number of times, correct? Yeah, I, I, I was microdosing in the 90s, actually, and, and I've used LSD hundreds of times. Uh, I have to tell you that from my experience, I've only had one experience out of hundreds of LSD experiences that I would say were spiritual. Most of mine, I would relate more as mechanical. I used it when I was writing code, writing books. But uh, from a spiritual aspect, I didn't receive that from LSD. But now, to be fair, uh, I never looked for it from LSD because I always had, had mushrooms and ayahuasca for my spiritual medicine. So uh, I, used, I, I actually used LSD for, uh, as a tool you know, to help my work. So it, it, uh, I never approached it from a spiritual aspect. So I'm probably, Matthew, I'm probably not the best guy to ask about that. Well, thank you for the insight, though. So anybody else want to chime in here while we're available? No, I would like to chime in. No, here we no, go. Here, 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 just Gary and, and Levi don't have uh, the benefit of video. So uh, Houston coming in now is also on the road. So we have two people driving right now. And Go ahead, Houston. <laughs> I had just parked, so thank goodness. Oh. But uh, so, uh, thank you guys for doing what you do. I think it's really awesome. I also was first exposed to the Aboga House online many, many years ago when it first started, and I was watching their YouTube testimonies. It was really awesome. So, 
I unfortunately have not had the chance to try it, and I am probably going to come check you guys out um, in the near future or maybe in the next year or so. But that being said, my question is, uh, do you guys educate yourself on the pharmacology and the pathophysiology of the drug in the brain and so forth to help those people who are there for a psycho-spiritual journey, <clears throat> maybe to like, um, <clears throat> like have a, a deeper structure or a framework of understanding what's going on? That would be my question. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I would love to see you one day. Um, yes, definitely. For, for myself, no, really, really, we, we don't. I mean, I know some of the basics from what I've read online from a lot of the, the bigger Ibogaine groups and ICERs and the Ibogaine Alliance, you know, taking in that information. Um, but our, our, you know, our work with this medicine really comes from, from, uh, the traditional place and, and really accessing it more to ask questions about life and, and direction in life and why things are the, the way they are. And, um, so yeah, no, I, I don't, Gary, maybe might have some input on that. Uh, nothing's coming to mind right now. So oh, I, let me, let me follow that up then with a, a quick question. So what about a scenario of if Gary is doing his thing, right? And he's talking to people who are there and they're on board with all of your philosophy, Levi, or like the way you're putting it and dealing with emotions and stuff like that. But then you go, well, yeah, this is going to help you in the drug detox situation. So you get one of those people that's two weeks out, right? And they ask you that question. How is that helping me physically? Like, I would, I would definitely incorporate that knowledge because that would like make you even more effective as a practitioner or like whatever you're doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, we definitely explain to them that it is gonna gonna reset the brain chemistry, and with the medicine, you can definitely feel that happening, especially for the people that have that have recently detoxed. Um, you can, you know, a lot of people describe it as feeling the medicine in their brain, just scrubbing it clean and 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 scrubbing throughout their body, almost on a cellular yeah. cellular level. So we do definitely let them know, like, hey, you know, you know. We, I should say, yeah, we do let them know that part, like physiologically, you know, things are going to be repaired and synapses, you know, your serotonin, your, your adrenal glands, all those things are going to get a, get a kickstart. And that's really one of the reasons, um, people don't stay clean for a long period of time is they just never get quite fully back to feeling better. So we definitely, um, you know, guide them with letting them know that, you know, you're going to feel good after this. Um, and, uh, and yeah, let it, yeah, let them, uh, and then they, they, they do feel that after they get through, you know, for, for, um, for people that have recently detoxed, you know, like Gary was saying earlier, the medicine needs to go in and, uh, cleanse them physically first. So typically, especially for those, those people that have recently detoxed the, the medicine, the first time they have it is going to be a really physical experience. Um, there could be more purging. Their recovery time will probably be longer. Um, but then once they come out of that and they've had that first cleanse with Iboga, um, typically they recover a lot quicker that second time. And that's generally true for, for everybody. Um, you know, the first time that me the medicine goes through you, the recovery time uh, is a bit longer. Whereas now that things have been cleared out of the way, it doesn't have to clear out the same things that it did the first time. It can it can dig in a bit deeper, and um, you know for some people, for so many that if they if they live a clean life and they're um, you know they've been working on themselves, sometimes that physical detox may just be um, you know three or four hours or five hours. Um, you know other times it can be it can be the whole you know the whole journey, which typically people feel the medicine to some extent. You know it's going through them for a good 24 hours. Yeah, I hope that helps. Yeah, uh, yeah. Go, go ahead, Houston. Go ahead, Houston. <clears throat> no, that's good. That's really good. Um, I was just thinking about also like dosages. Do you guys weigh stuff out for people? Um, do you give everybody the same amount? 
Yes, so we we so we have we serve just the ground up root bark like it like it came right from the right from the plant. Um, you know, so we uh, we serve that off of the spoon. So serving the medicine a lot, you can get a good idea of you know. Um, we we actually go by you know half spoon, three quarter, full spoon, um, just knowing how it affects different people. But then for the TA, we make our own organic total alkylate extract using only uh, Heinz 57 white vinegar, which is also natural vinegar. And so we do weigh out the uh, total alkylate extract capsules. So really, um, you know, you can get it, you can get a good idea on somebody's tolerance to the medicine, um, spending some time with them, talking with them, seeing, you know, how strong their mind is, how set they are. And, and what, you know, whatever they're working on. And so, but we start everybody off with a dose that they can handle. And typically that first dose will be the, the root bark. And once we, the medicine's been in them for about an hour, we can get a really good idea of like where they're at and also getting their input. You know, we definitely trust people that they know themselves better than we do. And so, you know, we get information from them. We can, you know, you can feel their arm and, and if it's getting really hot, we know the medicine is still coming up quite a bit. Um, you know, the, your people's balance can get on. So depending on, you know, we may help them up and see how their balance is. And depending on how, um, how their balance is, we can get a good idea. So then we, uh, for the people that need it, continue dosing throughout the next several hours. For some people, that first spoon of root bark may be all they need to go in and get the work they need done. Other people, um, could need several more, more doses. So then once we, ha- you know, once we've been through that first ceremony and we know everybody's tolerance, that second ceremony, um, we, we can get a really good idea on just how much to give them, um, all at once rather than kind of staggering the doses over several hours. And, um, that can a lot of times give them a little more, a little more lift off. And then also because you're not staggering the doses, the recovery time can definitely be quicker. Yeah. Now, as I understand, Levi, you also, these are small groups, two to five people. Is that right? Um, typically five to seven. Oh, okay. So there, there's a small enough group that you have, uh, you can uh, give some individual time to the participants. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's, that's important for us. Yeah. This, you know, the, the, the medicine lasts so long, the care that's needed the next day all through the night. Yeah. It's just not uh, fit for large, for large groups. And so, yeah, yeah. That's, we want everybody to get plenty of attention and plenty of a time to, uh, you know, work with the medicine, work with us. You know, we've been through a lot of the same things that many of the guests have been through between our, you know, my Gary and myself and the rest of the staff. So there's a lot of things we can relate to that we've been through ourselves and guide them on, you know, how we've learned from the medicine. So, yeah, no, it's it's uh, important for us to have smaller groups. You know, I've, I've heard you mention this or, or Gary, and I've heard this from a lot of people that are involved or have used Eboga. And, and you, you talk about a 24 hour trip. Uh, how how what are we really talking about as far as intensity and what what do you mean by a 24 hour trip? So, um, so when you, when you first take the medicine, you know, there's going to be several hours of a ramp up time similar, you know, to other, to other plant medicines, you know, there's the, there's the ramp up and, you know, the peak time. So what happens with Iboga is, um, you think, think of it like a, you know, uh, a graph going up and it goes up relatively quick. And then that, that taper downward goes very very slow so typically by the morning time so we we have everybody in the cer- ceremony area until sunrise the next day and when we get them up to go to their room typically people um it's not as intense as it was you know three or four hours ago or so definitely still feeling the medicine quite a bit and they you know just want to spend some time alone um, and, and have some in, introspective time. And so, but they'll, you know, some people will have visions throughout that next morning and, um, or insights coming to them still and 
really feel the medicine strongly. Other people bounce back a bit quicker and, you know, get up and have lunch and take a swim in the pool. So yeah, it's really, really individual. And what we tell people is really the medicine's gonna, gonna, gonna work on you, um, until it's done. And then once it's done, that's when you'll go to sleep. And so once a person gets some sleep, um, once they get, you know, three, four hours of sleep, they, they wake up the next day feeling really fresh, just really clear. Um, like whatever, you know, things that were being carried, carried around have been released. And so, um, you know, people probably get tired of us asking here at the center, did you sleep? How'd you sleep? How many hours did you get? You know, we're, we're very, very interested in people's sleep because we know once they do get some of that sleep that, you know, things are going to start looking really good for them uh, soon. And, you know, so the medicine, you know, whatever we're dealing with, you know, if a person comes in dealing with anger or they're really anxious or really hard on themselves, you know, that, that next day, you know, that can really come up. So, you know, we constantly remind people that, you know, if people are feeling a bit sad or anxious or, you know, angry, whatever they're dealing with, typically that amplifies those emotions in them. So we constantly re- remind them that that's, that's the healing happening and that's, that's just how it works. You know, the, like Gary will say, you know, the, you know, whatever we let in, whatever we're dealing with came through the front door and has to leave through the front door as well. And so, um, you know, there can be, there can be a, a period of, of some really, uh, it can be, it can be difficult, you know, it's definitely a sacrifice to do this work, but you know, the, the gains and what people get out of it are just, uh, this life changing. And, you, uh, I, you know, yeah. I, I can, I can really see that. And, and like I say, I've, I've had friends who it, it has changed their lives, but the a question I have is, and this is probably beyond the reach and available uh, scope of what you guys can do. But my, my uh, question is uh, I know I've, I had a few ayahuasca experiences that, that uh, a week, two weeks, several weeks later, I really was still having some problems with it. And so I could call somebody else from my, my group that, you know, we've been together for years and so, and talk about it. These people, when they, they're there for a week, 10 days, they have a couple intense experiences, but when they go back home, is there any way for them to get any kind of support? Should they uh, need some reinforcement uh, later on? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So there's, um, you know, we're, we're available once we've had this medicine with the group, this really connects you on a, on a deep level, even though it is only a, a week long that we're together, but there's a connection there from there. So right. they know they can get in touch with us, uh, whenever we want. Of course, you know, if, if, uh, you know, all of them did that, it would be tough to manage everybody, but people, people, uh, you know, do reach out. And we also have, bi-monthly integration calls for any past clients that have been uh, here to Evoga Wellness. So they're able to jump on those calls. Um, uh, Peter, who's our house manager and, uh, and uh, yeah, has done a lot of, a lot of work on himself, including coaching in the past leads those calls. And, you know, it's just an open forum for people to express what they're dealing with and, you know, reconnect back with us and, 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 you know, the, the lessons they got from the medicine. And then we also work with a couple specific groups and people. Um, one is one of the more talented, uh, coaches I've, I've ever come across and from Australia and he's been here. So, um, people can work with him. We work with a place called being true to you, um, which deals specifically with people integrating and preparing for plant medicine. Um, uh, another one called Afterplant. Um, another client of ours recently started something called Ibo Coach um, to help people. So we definitely have a good four or five uh, resources for people if they they need some intense one-on-one uh, integration help. And uh, yeah, we definitely stress that because after Iboga, you know, things are gonna be released, but life's still happening, and so. You know, that's the time to really integrate the changes in is, is, you know, this first month, two, three, six months. Uh, what we tell people is to really make this the year of them and, and really focus on them for this one year and, you know, look back and just see how their life has changed. 
And so the, those first months are extremely important. So we definitely, uh, you know, pushed them in the right direction with, with uh, working with some of those coaches and getting on our own uh, bi-monthly integration calls. Well, that, that's really wonderful. I mean, you, your answer blows me away because it's so much more than I'd expected. Uh, and, and, you know, you don't find that kind of care in, in, in every place you go. And so I, I really uh, 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 admire you guys for the work that you're doing. And, and you obviously oh. care about the results because, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, when you're working with people's lives, uh, uh, everyone is equally important. And, and the fact that you recognize that and deal with them, I, I uh, applaud Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Levi, I do have one, one question. I hear um, it's taxing on your heart or is it, is it, um, is there any issues with people who have high blood pressure with taking it? So, yeah, that's, that's a, uh, you know, good point. Everybody um, needs to get an EKG done um, either before they come or, um, or with a doctor here in Costa Rica. Um, and so, yeah, we definitely don't want anybody coming that has some heart issue that they're not aware of. But with that said, no, in, unless it, unless it's really high blood pressure, they're most likely fine. Um, if, if it was a borderline case, we would definitely get with a doctor on it. Um, but you know, through all the years that we've been doing this, um, less than a handful of people have not been able to come due to some sort of heart issue. And so, yeah, we do do the, the EKGs and, um, you know, we've had, we've had, um, some younger people come with, with their parents that were struggling with depression. And we've had, um, I think, you know, we've had a 77 or so year old come. So it's, um, it, it, the medicine is very safe if somebody hasn't been abusing their body with drugs for a real long time. Um, and so, yeah, it, with 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 the EKG and you know they do a medical questionnaire, then you know we um, yeah feel very confident uh, administering the medicine. You know if it was if we did feel it was dangerous at all, you know definitely wouldn't do this work and definitely would let somebody know like hey I don't think this is the right thing for you. Is there is there any uh, legal issues with the Costa Rican government and you doing this work down there? So it's, um, it's, it's, you know, it's an unclassified thing. There's other, um, Costa Rica being no, a known spot for different plant medicines. So, um, no, we, from, from our viewpoint, they definitely, they, they like Costa Rica being known as a, as a healing spot where people can go get in touch with themselves and nature. And so, um, no, no, they, they're very accommodating. What, what about uh, people who are taking other prescription medicines beforehand? I know in our ayahuasca circle, we always uh, required that they, they stop taking uh, SSRIs, things like that, for two weeks ahead of time or so. Uh, what's, what's the situation with Iboga and uh, prescription medicines that people may be taking already? Yeah, yeah, good, good question. That's an important one. Yeah, same, same with Iboga. Yeah, people have to be off any SSRIs for at least a couple weeks before coming. Um, and, and surprisingly, probably about, you know, anywhere from 40, 50% of the people that come have recently stopped some sort of prescription medication. Um, so yeah, definitely no, no SSRIs. Um, uh, and, uh, what else we, you know, um, we don't accept people that are on benzodiazepines as well. Um, the, that's one of the things that Iboga won't help a person with is, is benzodiazepines. So if people um, come, you know, we confirm that they're not doing those. Now, some of the Ibogaine clinics may may accept them, um, but we just know that, you know, the, the Iboga is going to strip the benzos out of their system, but it's not going to help with the withdrawal. And so when people, you know, benzo withdrawal can be, can be dangerous, and that's a very long process. I mean, like, months long to fully get it out of your system so yeah yeah um those those are two big ones um and uh you know definitely people that are getting off any ssris definitely have you know some light at the end of the tunnel to look forward to because um you know like 
like we mentioned, uh, you know, they're going to physically feel good without having to have any, any prescription medication in their, in their body, mentally, physically. And, um, you know, and those things can, can do a number on the, on the receptors as well for them. So, um, yeah, people, people, you know, they finally make the decision like, Hey, I'm going to stop this and I'm going to use this tool. And, um, that's what's great about Iboga is once it, it works through and, and gets that, you know, bring, brings their, their brain chemistry back to baseline can be the first time they've really felt good in, you know, years for a lot of them. I uh, just have a real quick question. So I, I have a friend who's been struggling with opiates for quite a few years, you know, and one thing that they uh, have asked about the, the ibogaine or the aboga and, is, uh, what, is, it, is, is, is it true that it really, comparatively to a cold turkey opiate withdrawal, that there really is some uh, oh, help with that? I mean, comparatively to a cold turkey withdrawal, I mean, how, how uh, hard is the withdrawal going to be for someone who's been an <coughs> quite a few years? Yeah, you know, the time that they've been doing the opiates can extend the the detox time. But, yeah, no, it's night and day, man. Um, you know, at least 80% of the withdrawal symptoms are going to go away. For a lot of people, it'll be 90 or even 95%, depending on, what they are, you know, withdrawing from. A lot of the, you know, maintenance drugs like Suboxone and Methadone can can really um, be tough ones to get out of the system, which are they're surprisingly the hardest ones to stop somebody from using. Whereas if somebody says using heroin, um, that that gets out a lot quicker and uh, leaves a lot more freely. But yeah, no, um, that's the scariest thing for an addict is the withdrawal process. Um, it just—it's if you've never been through it, you can't really imagine how horrible it is. And so it's—it's, um, it's, yeah, it—it really does work, and it is the only thing on the planet that works with the physical withdrawal symptoms. You know, they're still not going to sleep for a while. Um, that one's there, but at least they're not there, writhing in bed and shaking and you know sneezing and you know, pooping and what you know all the other symptoms that come with that, but. Yeah, no, it does does really work. Right on. Thank you. Um, one other question is something that was mentioned earlier. You guys talked about uh, potential of ancestral healing. Um, do you guys have people to, that come for that? And, and how do, what does that look like? And, and I guess what, what would they be healing on an ancestral level with that, with a boga? Yeah. You, you want to take that one, Gary? Yeah, I'll take that one. Uh, good, good question. Um, well, uh, the way I've come to understand is that um, our our families um, pass on from one generation to the other. You know, a lot of of what's going on in their own experience, and sometimes uh, during a lifetime, someone can. Uh, make some mistakes, and uh, those things get get uh, passed on to the next generation. You know, I've seen evidence myself that's convinced me anyway that um, that that healing does go back, um, and it is possible to you know make some headway for your ancestors by resolving some of the things that they didn't. Um, it's, it's hard to really quantify it too much cause it's so, so individual, but, um, a lot of, uh, sexual abuse, you know, there's one of the things that really struck me when I started doing this work is just how much sexual abuse goes on. And, uh, that's the kind of thing that can, can, um, affect, uh, our ancestors as well. You know, if there was some, you know, sexual abuse in the past, uh, you know, that wasn't wasn't really resolved before um, a person passed on, you know, then there is a possibility for their their ancestors, their children, their grandchildren to address those things and create healing. Um, it actually happened to me uh, 
myself. Um, and uh, that, I guess that kind of got me to aware of uh, that that kind of thing was going on. Um, in my own case, uh, I was sexually abused at a very young age, but I didn't know about it. I didn't know what happened. I just knew something happened, and I um, really um, couldn't understand it. Uh, during my aboga journey, um, I was able to connect with my grandmother, my mother's mother. And when I first saw her, she was she was quite unhappy. And I, because I had just talked with my mother, and my mother was ecstatic, and talked to my grandmother, and she was not happy. And I asked her, you know, what was wrong? What was wrong? And, and she said, you know, because of the abuse that went on with my second husband and you. And um, it was really uh, very revealing to me. And I could, I could see uh, how that had really affected me. And I didn't, I just wasn't aware of it at all. Um, but then, you know, later on, as we were, we were talking, like she uh, was definitely happier that she got to tell me about it. And then I got to understand what had happened to me. And, you know, I, I remember I, I asked her, uh, Grandma, why, why did that have to happen to me? Why did I have to be abused? And what she told me was that I wouldn't be who I am without it. Wow, that's fascinating. You know, uh, it's, it's really interesting, the, the story you just told, To it really clarifies uh, some things for me about uh, dealing with ancestors and and how the uh, healing can come forward. And it also, that, that story also reveals to me why it's important for people like uh, all of you at your center uh, to honor the, the tradition of, of, uh, of, of Bwiti shamanism and their healing practices because uh, traditional Western medicine that just is, uses Ibogaine would be very difficult to tease out something as that like you were just talking about with, but with exactly. the traditional uh, ceremonies, uh, like I'm familiar with, with the ayahuasca, I can definitely see how that's quite important. So Gary and Levi, we're, we're about out of time here, but uh, if, if one of you would uh, kind of, uh, uh, Tell us, because I'm going to put this in a podcast, if somebody is interested in beginning a conversation with uh, either of you or somebody at your center and and explore the possibility of them coming down there, how how do they get this whole process started? So, yeah, they would just submit it. We have an 800 number on our site for USA and Canada. If they're you know, in, a, in another country, they can submit a contact form and we, we can call them at their on their uh, mobile phone in whatever country or info at ibogawellness.com. And yeah, we send a, you know, a complete retreat overview with all the details of what's going on. And uh, there's a, a medical questionnaire in there that would be the first thing to start to, to start the process. And um, yeah, you know, we want to make sure people are also ready for this medicine. Um, you know, that's our key. We want to work with people that really want to work on themselves and so, you know, we definitely, definitely look for that. Um, you know, I would say, you know, the, like, uh, Gary was saying with the, with the will of, of wanting better things for yourself, you know, we've have to, definitely had through the years a couple of people come through that, you know, more psychedelic pioneers looking to try the next, the next thing. And, um, yeah, the medicine doesn't seem to get along with that too well. Um, it, uh, you know, it really wants, it wants your, uh, you know, it wants you to do your part. Um, and so those, those people have had a really rough time, but if you are looking for guidance and, you know, you're willing to do the work, um, just, uh, you know, I haven't found a more valuable tool, but yeah, you can call or email or on our, on our website and, uh, yeah, no, no pressure, no stress. And, uh, yeah, we're happy to talk with anybody that's interested in Iboga. Well, I want to I want to compliment uh, all of you for for that. For in particular, I you know I've I've uh, talked with quite a few people who have different kind of healing centers, and and the internet is sort of a you know kind of hands off, and it's hard to get a hold of real people sometimes. 
by by putting an 800 number up there and actually talking to prospects, uh, I applaud that. I think that is fantastic, and it certainly should give uh, your potential uh, participants a, a good feeling that they can talk to a real human and uh, explain their situation and, and get some feedback other than just through email. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's definitely what what we find. Well, listen, I, I again, I appreciate your time for, for being with us tonight. This will be out in our podcast next Monday, and I, I hope that uh, it, some, it will find some people who can really use your help because I, I think you guys are doing important work, uh, and I, I really uh, want to do what I can to help. So uh, thank you for being here tonight, and the same with our rest of our fellow saloners here. Uh, thank you for being here, and uh, until next week. Keep the old faith and stay high. <laughs> good night, everyone. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. Have a good Thanks, Bye-bye. You're listening to the Psychedelic Salon, where people are changing their lives one thought at a time. I hope that this conversation was as enlightening for you as it was for me. Now, if you've been with us here in the salon for a while, you already know that I don't have any personal experience with Iboga or with Ibogaine unlike uh, most of the other psychoactives that we talk about here in the salon. So much of this information is new to me, and hopefully it's also something that you're interested in learning more about, (laughs) because I plan on inviting more Iboga practitioners to join our conversations in the future. In fact, in a few weeks, the producer of the new movie, Dosed, will also be joining us for a live Monday night salon. And uh, speaking of future live salons, tonight our guest will be Dr. Mike Sapiro, who, I'm told, is a former Buddhist monk turned meditation teacher and psychedelic coach. And if all goes according to plan, a recording of tonight's conversation with Dr. Mike will be next week's podcast from here in the salon. And a week from tonight, my guest will be Daniel McQueen, who will talk to us about his new protocol for extending a DMT experience uh, significantly longer than what is experienced by smoking it. And the following week, on July 22nd, our guest will be author and longtime friend of the salon, Eric Davis. And uh, I'm in the process of lining up other interesting guests for our future live salons as well. And uh, hopefully I'll see you there one night. But for now, this is Lorenzo signing off from Cyberdelic Space. Be well, my friends. <laughs>